athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Thank you for joining me on another edition of Box to Row. A whole lot to get to on today's program, the NBA Hot and Heavy. And we're going to talk some NBA. We've got some great series, some ones that are wrapping up. And we're going to talk plenty of NBA today here on the program. I want to talk all NBA. The all NBA teams are out first, second, and third all NBA teams. And then your all NBA defensive teams as well. Those teams tied to contracts. In other words, if you make all NBA, all NBA defense, it's tied to how much you could potentially make in salary. And is that right? Is that the right way to go? The, the NBA agreed upon it. The Players Association agreed upon it. Is it right? Because I don't, sometimes you do have some biases in the media. Now, you may have some biases in the media of maybe certain media Persons that don't like certain NBA players but can look past that, but then you're going to have some um, that don't. So is that how it should be determined that an NBA player makes a certain amount of money we will discuss on today's program? You know something we haven't done in a while? We haven't done, uh, we haven't talked baseball. Something we haven't talked about in a while is baseball. We're going to talk some baseball today here on the program. We're going to talk with Bethune-Cookman head baseball coach Jonathan Hernandez. Bethune-Cookman right now second in the SWAC's Eastern Division and a big weekend series against rival Florida A&M. Right now, Alabama State leads the Eastern Division of the SWAC. And remember, it's the only Division One program with all HBCUs, the SWAC, because remember the MEAC does not sponsor baseball, although uh, Delaware State has a program, UMES has a program, Norfolk State has a program, of course North Carolina Central uh, does not have a program anymore. So we're going to talk a little baseball today on the program as well, and I want to talk some Major League Baseball today, we, we don't do that a whole lot on the program for various reasons that we'll discuss Uh, But again, we're going to do that today also on the program is talk some baseball. So a lot to get to. Um, Can I start here? And and you can participate here on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow. B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're there. Also on our Facebook page, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Denny Crum, the great... Denny Crum, former head men's basketball coach at Louisville, has passed away. Denny Crum passed away 
uh, on Tuesday uh, in Louisville. And he's a Naismith Hall of Famer, led Louisville to a couple of uh, championships, right? Played at, you know, played ball at UCLA. Um, and this is a big loss. I mean, you're talking about a coach. And, and, and listen, you know, college basketball is, uh, it's okay now, right? Like, it's okay. But again, to me, and not to get into this discussion, but a lot with the transfer portal and NIL and all of those things. And then you have, you know, certainly the uh, even before NIL and the transfer portal, you had the one and dones. So all of that has affected college basketball. And it's not like it used to be. And I, I get it. A lot of things, you know, sort of transform and they move in different directions. And I got all that. But back in the day, especially when I was, you know, coming up in the 80s, I mean, I loved, you know, coming up in Washington, I loved Maryland, I loved Georgetown. I loved watching college basketball. Loved watching those programs. Georgetown was pretty consistent. Maryland, not so much. But still, I mean, even when Maryland wasn't great as a team, you had the Lynn Bias, you know, you had Lynn Bias, right? Uh, you know, going against a Michael Jordan, going against UNC's, going against the Dukes. When Dukes, Duke, I can remember when Duke was on the rise. Danny Ferry was like, I think may have been Mike Krzyzewski's, Coach K's first, like, really big-time player. Of course, Danny Ferry came out of DeMatha High School in Maryland, uh, right? But I can remember those days in great college basketball. Well, Denny, well Louisville was right there, okay? Um, you're talking about that 1980 squad that ended up winning the national championship, then coming back in 1986, winning another national championship. You know, Denny Crum coaching for, uh, you know, so many years as the head coach, you know, with a, of, of Louisville with a, a 70% winning percentage, right? 675 wins, 295 losses in his career. And what a career that it was. And, and this is the other thing, like you, you're – a lot of times these days in college basketball, you don't see work. And that, that, that's just old school. Like it's old school. Like Coach K only coached at Duke. Um, you don't see where a lot of coaches are staying at just one program. Um, you know, a lot of times, and, and this is the thing, a lot of times, a lot of coaches will start at, you know, you'll start at a, a maybe at a D2 program or even a JUCO to a, you know, D2 program, maybe a mid-major, and then you get up, to that major program and you may stay there for a while and then you may move in the landscape of college basketball and college athletics changes. So, you know, maybe you, you know, all of those things play into that. Well, this was Denny Crum who coached at Louisville for his entire, for his entire career with his last season being the, uh, the 2000, 2001 season after having started the 71-72 season. So what is that? Is that 40 years? I mean, that oh, no, 30, excuse me, 30 years as the head coach at Louisville and what a record, two national championships. It's hard to win a national championship. I can remember, I mean, he coached Purvis Ellis, right? Like I remember Purvis Ellis because Purvis Ellis was like one year, whatever year Purvis Ellis came out. He was the first round pick of the then Washington Bullets. So, you know, but I had watched him play in college. Um, you know, Louisville had 
an absolutely fantastic program. And, and, and he also played at UCLA as well, right? So he, he, he had that on his resume. So, I mean, this was a man who, um, you know, did it the right way, won quite a bit. You know, I'm just kind of looking through some of the numbers here. I mean, multiple Final Four appearances, right? Even after Louisville won the national championship, then the year after that in the 80-81 season, second round loss, but Final Four appearance in, in 82 and 83, Sweet 16 appearance in 84. Uh, you know, kind of was down a little bit in 85, an NIT appearance, right? And then won the national championship in 86. And even after that, a couple of Sweet 16 appearances. And then sometimes the landscape of college basketball changes. The one and dones and all of those kind of things. And you get a little bit older. And, you know, it's sort of time for you to move on. 12 and 19 in his last season, which was fifth in the American conference but two seasons before that first round appearances in the NCAA tournament all the, I mean as as recent as 96 to 96 97 season a 26 and 9 record with an elite 8 appearance but I, I do I remember that 1980 squad right because that was the squad that right after when when college basketball has has you know college you look at the NBA in the NBA in the 70s, while we can go back, you had the merger of the ABA with the NBA and, uh, or, or the ABA absolved some of the, the NBA absolved some of the ABA teams and, you know, some of those great players and Dr. J and a lot of those other players that were ABA players became NBA players. And, but it was in 1979, that great game between Michigan State and Indiana State, Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird, which changed the landscape of uh, of really the NBA. I don't want to say it changed the landscape of college basketball, but it may have been the greatest anticipated matchup maybe at that time in college basketball history because then those two gentlemen, meaning Magic and Bird, went on to really, when, when, when they say save the NBA, that's not hyperbole. Really save the NBA because you had great teams the Lakers and, and you know the Lakers were, were were good and some of these other teams were really good, but the NBA again you had you had where the ABA couldn't survive the NBA absolved some of those teams, but then the NBA wasn't as strong. So then you have Bird and Magic come in. Of course, Magic leading his the Lakers the first year as a rookie to the NBA championship, uh, and then Bird and and Magic throughout the eighties along with Dr. J. And then Michael Jordan took it to another level and the NBA is where it is today, right? But immediately after that 79, uh, that 79 national championship game was uh, the championship game in 79-80 where Louisville ended up winning the national championship. So a big loss for college basketball, uh, for really for basketball as a whole. Again, I mentioned Denny Crum, a Naismith Hall of Famer as he passed away uh, Denny Crum passing away uh, on Tuesday at the age of 86. I just I just remember him being a great coach, coaching some really good teams, and and at the height to me of of college basketball uh, in the 80s. Now the 90s were different, the 70s, but the 80s, and it, it, you know, again living outside, living uh, in the in ACC and 
in Big East country. And there was Louisville, uh, who was wrecking shop and uh, really competing each and every year and winning national championships. So, again, got a whole lot to get to on the program. Going to talk some baseball. Going to talk some NBA here on Box to Row. Up next, Jonathan Alexander is the head baseball coach at Bethune-Cookman, and he joins us. Are you worried about your taxes? Okay, so I'm talking to those of you out there that have not filed in a few years with the IRS or state. It's time to get worried, and here's why. The IRS is getting back from their own COVID lockdown, and they're hiring more enforcers, and they're going to come after people that owe taxes. So if you're a 1099 worker, and maybe you just plain forgot to file your taxes, you need to call the professionals right now at the tax helpline. They are experts at knowing the tax regulations and their goal is to help you pay as little as possible. Call right now and get a 100% free tax evaluation. Remember, before the IRS knocks on your door, knock on our door. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, make this free call right now. Call taxes 321 now at 800-797-0891. 800-797-0891. That's 800-797-0891. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Lack of HBCU players being drafted. Isaiah Bolden, cornerback for Jackson State, drafted in the sixth round. An op-ed piece that talked about, okay, four players were drafted, but he mentioned like 32 were signed as free agents, as if that's something to be proud of. Listen to this stat. Five of those 32 players that were signed as free agents were on the 53-man roster when the season started. That's one more player than was drafted. That's nothing to brag about. 
From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. As I told you, we're going to talk some baseball today here on Box and Row. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his fifth season as the head baseball coach at Bethune-Cookman. The Wildcats on the season 25 and 22, currently ranked number six in the Black College Baseball Poll. Got a weekend series on the road at rival Florida A&M. Jonathan Hernandez, the head baseball coach at Bethune-Cookman, joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Hernandez, welcome to the program. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on the program and, you know, allow me a few minutes just to kind of speak about our baseball program here at Bethune-Cookman. Doing pretty well. You're winners of your last four ball games, including last weekend's series sweep of Alabama A&M. Your thoughts on the way the Wildcats are playing to this point? Uh, we're playing well. You know, we're finally getting some guys healthy. You know, we kind of got hit with the injury bug a couple of weeks ago, uh, but slowly but surely the guys were progressing and, you know, we made a statement, I believe this past weekend, because, you know, anytime you, you know, you, you play well on the weekends and you sweep an, an opponent, especially in the conference, it, it definitely builds confidence, but let alone a four game series sweep over the Bulldogs of Alabama A&M. So uh, right now, you know, pleased with how the guys are playing, uh, trying to get ready for this final stretch uh, as we wind down, especially with a big series coming up here um, in Tallahassee against the family Rattlers. Yeah, no question, especially you're, you mentioned your numbers two right now in the SWAC's Eastern Division. I mean, Alabama State is ahead now. You you were able to take two or three from them early in the season. They got you uh, on the back end. But really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a toss-up. You know, Jackson State maybe not playing as well right now, but really when you talk about the SWAC as, as a whole, and particularly in the East, um, you, you got to be on your A game from week to week. Absolutely. You know, I think the SWAT conference, if people would just give, you know, HBCU baseball a chance, I mean, they'll realize that it's just as competitive as any conference around the country. Uh, you know, you look at a team like Alabama State, who is still continuing to garner uh, national recognition, receiving top 25 votes. I mean, we were in that same platform a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, the coaches in the SWAC do a very good job, and you're right. No team can take one weekend off. You have to, you know, pretty much play to your potential, uh, you know, make sure you guys are healthy, play consistent in a very tough SWAC conference, um, and especially in the East with, you know, obviously us, uh, FAMU, the addition. I think it only heightened uh, the awareness and the brand of HBCU baseball in the SWAC. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a co- competitive uh, conference all the way across the board. And, yes, you did mention Jackson State is maybe not playing uh, up to their what they've done the last couple of years, but you can't overlook a team like Jackson State who has won, I believe, three or four to the last weekend series. So, you know, every weekend is a dogfight, um, you know, whether you're in the East Division or the West Division, and, uh, you know, we're just looking to come out on top when it's all said and done. And, of course, you finished the regular season playing against Jackson State um, at home, and you've been in the conference long enough now. You're talking about 19 the 19 season, then going back to 21 and 22. I don't think there was, or 
maybe 21, there wasn't a, uh, uh, may not have been a SWAC tournament, I don't remember. But anyway, you've been in the conference long enough to know. And you look at this conference, when it comes down to SWAC tournament play, the, te- the teams that may be favorite aren't necessarily the teams that win it in the, in the tournament just speaks to how well you got to play throughout the course of the season in SWAC play. Absolutely. I mean, you look at 21 where there was the tournament and Jackson State was undefeated and they ended up, you know, losing to uh, Southern in, in, that, uh, in that championship game. Uh, but you're right. You know, you throw your records out the door. Um, you know, you just got to play your best baseball towards the end. And, and again, just like it is in the regular season, in the conference tournament, you, you can't bypass anybody, whether you're playing a one seed, two seed, three seed, or a four seed. It doesn't matter. You got to come out. You got to show out. You got to play clean defense. You got to be able to pitch, and you have to have timely hitting. Um, so, I mean, we're we're just getting our guys ready, you know, for that atmosphere down in Atlanta. And um, you know, it, it's been a long way to return for us, right, to get back to a to a conference tournament. As you know, the pandemic affected everyone. 2021, we did not play because our our school opted out of athletics. So this is year two for us um, in the SWAC, and we're excited about our program and where we're headed. Jonathan Hernandez is the head baseball coach at Bethune-Cookman in his fifth season as he joins us here on Box to Row. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, because that first season, I think you won like 18 games. So it took you a while to kind of build up to where you are. You mentioned receiving votes in the top 25 um, and early se- season a series victory over Alabama State. You've had a couple of, uh, you know, you look at this season, especially early on. I mean, you were able to put in work uh, early on against Lehigh, against Purdue Fort Wayne. You were able to get some series victories, Longwood. So you put in the work. Um, your thoughts on how you've been able to build the program from maybe that 18-win season in 2019 to now where you have a winning record with 25 wins in county. Yeah, it's been a, a long process. And just like we tell our baseball players to trust the process while they're going through, you know, their stuff as development on the field. The same thing with kind of how I saw the vision of the program with the long and rich uh, winning tradition here at Bethune-Cookman uh, with Marvell Melendez, then Coach Jason Beverlin. It's uh, my job to pretty much uphold the standards of the program. And I knew that it was not going to be a, a one-year deal. This was something that for the long term, uh, this is the vision that we had for our program when I stepped foot on campus. And, you know, that first year was tough, uh, but we made it through. And then, of course, you know, then the pandemic uh, pretty much disrupted everything as we had, you know, one of the better high school classes as far as recruiting rankings that was a concern. Uh, but, man, I like where we're at. You know, we continue to just kind of build on the tradition and continue to get better every year. Um, and I think with how now – Baseball is being recruited via the transfer portal. Um, you know, that gives us an outlet or an avenue uh, to recruit some players that maybe wherever they're at or, you know, it didn't work out for them. So it definitely gives us an opportunity to bring that talent uh, over to the SWAT conference, uh, not just here at Bethune, but the entire conference as a whole. Uh, but as far as where we're at and where we're headed, we're, we're heading in the right direction. And, you know, for us, it's, it's trying to be the first HBCU baseball program to get to the College World Series. Um, a lot of people say that, but you have to also recruit uh, to that um, statement. And I think that we've done a pretty good job uh, the last two years of kind of getting the program where it needs to be. And, again, just kind of building on the tradition that's been here um, with the head coaches that have been here before me. Jonathan Hernandez, the head baseball coach at Bethune-Cookman, joins us here on the program. The Wildcats currently ranked number six in the HBCU college baseball poll, a, uh, a, a weekend series on the road at 
Florida A&M. I look at your midweek schedule, and it's brutal. It's all it's been all it's been all state opponents, but it's 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 been tough and, and some tough games. You know, you got Florida, Miami on the schedule. You did get a victory over Stetson. How do you being in conference play? How do you sort of approach those midweek games? Uh, are they? Do you? Are you, I mean, obviously you're going out to win, but it's it's probably more important to win those um those uh, a SWAC games. So so how do you sort of approach those midweek games? I think for us, and I can't speak for anybody else, but here at Bethune Cookman, I mean, we approach those games like we want to win those games. You know, we do know that the weekends are are vital and crucial to us uh, for the long haul of the season because they are conference games, but. I mean, for us, we want to put our, our players in a position to be comfortable in an uncomfortable setting. Uh, traditionally speaking, when Bethune-Cookman does, you know, have the opportunity to win a uh, conference championship, we know that there's three regional sites that Bethune-Cookman usually plays at. That's going to be either at the University of Miami, Florida, Florida State. Uh, so what we've always done, and since I've been here and even the coaches before me, is we put together a tough non, uh, non-conference schedule to get our student-athletes ready for that moment. Um, you know, so if you're asking what's the approach, I mean, we try to recruit pitching depth uh, to be able to compete with the teams that we do play uh, in non-conference. Uh, but at the same time, we want to be able to go in with the approach that we're going in to win this game. This isn't a scrimmage. This isn't a tune-up for somebody else. This is us putting our best players that we do have available at that moment to come out and play tough nine innings to be able to come out with a win. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but I know that we put our best foot forward to make, um, you know, that a possibility. Uh, but, again, the, the non-conference schedule that sets up not only midweeks, but you look at our non-conference weekends. We went to LSU for a weekend last year. We went to South Carolina uh, this year, who's obviously ranked, you know, top five or six in the country. We just want to put our players in those positions as much as possible to get ready for when we do get an opportunity to win a SWAC, uh, SWAC championship, uh, that's our goal. We put our players in that position so they're they're comfortable in an uncomfortable setting. You've got some you've got some hitting on this team and some players that can really uh, hit the baseball. And let's talk a little bit um, about them for a second. Your thoughts where you are offensively? It's got to, I mean, I, I look at a kid like a Highland Hall who's batting three sixty four. He's got to be you know one of the leaders for uh, at least MVP or offensive MVP, at least, in the SWAT? Yeah, I mean, you look at where we were last year. Um, I think with the first year going into the SWAT, we put a lot of attention into pitching and defense because we do believe that you're never going to hit your way to a championship. So we focused mostly on bringing guys, you know, that are going to help us on the mound. But offensively, you know, that took a hit. I think at this point last year we were hitting just under, just over, 220 as a team so what we decided to do we knew we had some of those really good arms back we decided to pay focus a little bit more to the offensive side of the ball so we do get guys like a highland hall who's a power five transfer from washington state we bring in luis twirl who's also a power five transfer from the university of arizona we were able to add some junior college pieces that were going to help us offensively like a robert moya who i believe right now is leading the team in home runs and doubles Um, And that's, you know, those are guys that have been able to uplift us in an offensive way, um, you know, in order to compete, you know, with the teams in the SWAC, because we do know that teams in the SWAC do uh, hit a lot and they score a lot of runs. And we had to be able to match that um, offensive identity with the guys that we were able to bring this year. Let's step aside. We're talking with Jonathan Hernandez, the head baseball coach of Bethune-Cookman here on Box to Row. Let's step aside, take a quick break. 
come back. We'll pick up the conversation. You've got it locked to Box to Row. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college in Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. <laughs> you get to it. Man, you know what? You're encouraging people to be better and do better, and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business, and Sam, you had the illustrious school of business, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one Salem State University, a uh, black college, something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State. I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. 
I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. And you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. All right, we're back here on Boxer Road talking with Jonathan Hernandez, the head baseball coach at Bethune-Cookman, who joins us here in the program, was just talking some, uh, some, uh, about some personnel, particularly on the offensive side. Let's talk some of the pitching. Your thoughts on the way the p- pitching has performed so far this season? Um, I, think it's been, uh, I think it's been up and down. You know, it has some flashes of being very good. But then there's days where it's not looking where the standards of we uphold the pitching side. I mean, obviously our pitching staff – is led by Nolan Santos, who right now currently in the country is fourth overall in strikeouts. I believe he's uh, at about 102 or 103 strikeouts, and this is a, a pitcher who last year broke the single-season record at Bethune-Cookman with 113 strikeouts in a single season, looking to break that record um, and, and establish a new one. Uh, he's done very well. you got guys like Yoan Gonzalez, who in the back end for us has been doing well with six saves. I believe he's got about 50 strikeouts, so only 12 or 13 walks. Uh, Daniel Gaviria is a junior college uh, transfer that we brought in from, uh, from Jacksonville. He's been doing well. So I think overall it's been good. Um, but, again, we just got to be consistent. We got to stay healthy. We got to be able to throw first pitch strikes and do what we need to do in order for us to accomplish what we want to do at the end of the year. We always talk about, we talk about college athletics and a couple of more thoughts. Generally it's football about the transfer portal. Then it's – then it's basketball, uh, right? But but how? What what is it? What has the transfer portal been like for you in terms of guys maybe leaving uh, the program? But also you're able to get guys. You mentioned you know one of your main guys right now uh, in Highland Hall was a was a guy you got out of the portal. Yeah, I mean I think that the portal is here to stay. I, I don't foresee the transfer portal uh, going away anytime soon. And it's like everything you have to adapt or you're just going to sink, you know. So we have to be able to put ourselves in a situation to be mindful of the fact that, yeah, there's going to be players that are going to head into the transfer portal from your program as much as, you know, you want to think that those guys don't want to leave. But, you know, we understand that as well because that happened to us last year. But at the same time, it also opens up the roster and gives, you know, you an opportunity or us an opportunity to bring in some players that maybe weren't getting the playing time that they felt that they should have been receiving at other schools and provide them with that opportunity here at Daytona Beach. Uh, Fam, you, your thoughts? Some of the challenges the Rattlers present uh, going back a couple of weeks ago, you did take, uh, not a couple of weeks ago, but about a month and a half ago, uh, you took two of three from them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it seems like every time Bethune and FAMU uh, get together, you know, sparks are going to fly, right? Whether that's in football at the Florida Classic, whether that's in basketball, whether that's uh, even playing checkers, right? Uh, it, it's just one of those things. It's a rivalry that dates back over 100 years. Uh, Coach Soup does a great job with his program, and, and we, we feel that we do a great job with our program. So it's two competitive programs with the number two seed on the line as we head over to, you know, the SWAC uh, tournament in Atlanta. Uh, you know, their Friday night guy is pretty good. I know they can, you know, they can pitch a little bit. I know they can hit a little bit because of what we saw uh, about a month and a half ago. But it's just going to be two really good competitive teams getting after it over the weekend here in Tallahassee. Second place on the line in the SWAC's Eastern Division weekend tournament for Bethune-Cookman on the road against Florida A&M. Jonathan Hernandez in his fifth season as the head baseball coach of the Wildcats joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Hernandez, really appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Wildcats. Much appreciated. Thank you for allowing me to speak about our program. And, you know, good luck to you all and, and hail Wildcats. Bethune-Cookman head baseball coach Jonathan Hernandez Joining us here on the program, this is a, a very important three-game weekend series at Florida A&M for the Wildcats. I don't think at this point, I mean, it may be possible, but I think if Alabama State wins one, maybe two more games, it's pretty much wrapped up the SWAC's Eastern Division. But a very important game in terms of for second place in the SWAC's Eastern Division, where Bethune-Cookman currently leads by half a game and so a very very important series for both Bethune Cookman and Florida A&M. If you want to react to anything that Jonathan Hernandez, again the head baseball coach at Bethune Cookman had to say, hit me up via Twitter at box to row b o x t o r o w. Let's switch gears a little bit. Of course, we're located here in Raleigh. Got to give a big shout out and congratulations to the Carolina Hurricanes who have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's been many, many years. It's been some years, not but it's been some years since the Hurricanes have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, here in Raleigh may not be the biggest city. As a matter of fact, when you look across the landscape of the NHL, Raleigh's probably one of your smaller markets, maybe Columbus, Ohio, maybe, a, maybe an even smaller market than is Raleigh. So Raleigh's not the biggest market. But I'm going to tell you what, when you talk about support of the Carolina Hurricanes, because remember, this is college athletics country. So I would say in this order, college basketball, uh, no doubt, then college football, college baseball, uh, to a degree, is very big here, especially when you're talking about, uh, in this area, you're talking about NC State, uh, North uh, UNC or North Carolina, and Duke and so uh, you know even the Panthers even though the Carolina Panthers represent both the states of North Carolina and South Carolina the Panthers are based in Charlotte so uh, while there is some support here in Raleigh um, the 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 main thing is college athletics specifically basketball I would say uh, on the football side I mean NC State has a has a really a, a big fan base and sells out pretty much every game. But when you're talking about hockey and you're talking about uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, a lot of support. Hurricanes with a big overtime victory um, to now advanced to the conference finals. And I remember I was at the press conference the day that Rod Brindamore 
former Carolina Hurricane was hired as the new head coach. And to that point, I think it had been 10 years, maybe 11, since the Hurricanes had made it to the postseason. As a matter of fact, the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup in 06. The next year, I think, made the playoffs and then hadn't made the playoffs. Uh, Brenda Moore hired. The next year, the Hurricanes made the playoffs and made some runs, maybe a little bit of a disappointing season on last year, but uh, considering the regular season. But this year, the Hurricanes got it done, uh, able to to to, uh, to to make it to the uh, to the finals and and to see right after the game because you know I was watching that Boston uh, the uh, Celtics and the 76ers game and going to talk a little bit more uh, about that game a little bit later on, but I was kind of flipping back and forth in between commercials going back to the Hurricanes game. It was in overtime. It was getting late. Well, it wasn't that late in overtime, but anyway, it was in overtime. And Jason Tatum had a big fourth quarter, a huge fourth quarter for the Celtics. He hit pretty much, I think the Celtics may have been up by like seven points, and he hits this three-pointer with like 35 seconds left, just sort of almost for effect that goes in. And it was right after that I turned to the Hurricanes game, watched the rest of that game. Maybe that game may have gone three more minutes on the clock, and then um, there was a a ricochet off of a shot, and the Hurricanes able to win. And, you know, Rod Brendamore is all about business. He's he's been a guest on this show uh, before, uh, all about business. But in that aftermath of that victory, saw a smile come on his face. And it was good to see because, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't follow hockey a whole lot, but it's always, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a DMV guy, so I'm going to always roll with the Capitals, but I always like to see the home team. And in this instance, the Hurricanes do well because they're right here in Raleigh, great fan base. You talk about the tailgating, all of that. You talk about tailgating for football. Nah, they tailgate seriously. Uh, for hockey, even in the cold weather. And so um, to see the Hurricanes get that win, I thought was really, really big. And congratulations to the Hurricanes going on to the finals. Let me switch now. Uh, Talked a little bit about that. Uh, Not really talk, but going to talk about the Celtics and the 76ers. 95 to 86, Boston gets the victory. The series is now tied at three games apiece with game seven going back to Boston. I feel like Doc Rivers is really coaching for his job. It's another situation where the 76ers, or not even the 76ers, but where a Doc Rivers coach team is up three games to one, okay, with an opportunity to win. Now, three games to one, you go back to, to Boston. Boston gets that. You come back to Philly, and the 76ers didn't play well. I mean, particularly in the second quarter, didn't play well, started to come on in the third quarter, uh, kept it close in the fourth, took even a, you know, a, a two, maybe a, I think the a largest lead the Celtics may have had, or the 76ers may have had in the fourth quarter was like a two-point lead, maybe a three-point lead. But all of a sudden, Jason Tatum, who had gone like one for whatever, maybe one for 13 or one for 14 through the first three quarters just came to life he hit two dagger three-pointers um 
came back. He hit like three in a row, came back, hit another one, hit like three in a row, missed one, and then made that last one that I said was like kind of a going away a deal for the Celtics. And I mean, he, he, but, but this is the thing about Tatum and, and, and I happen I was in the building. It was 2016. I was in the building when Duke and Carolina played. It was at Cameron indoor when Jason Tatum became Jason Tatum. He absolutely lit Carolina up. Duke ended up winning that game and he went on and uh, the rest is history trying to exercise some of those demons from last year in the NBA Finals. He had a really good regular season, averaged in excess of 30 points a game, sort of been up and down in the playoffs. But when the Celtics needed him most, he came through. Now, the Celtics did not, or the 76ers did not help their cause. Uh, was, was able to tie the game a couple of times, then took, like I said, maybe like a two or three point lead and just could not get over the hump. Um, you know, James Harden wasn't great. Maxie was good through three quarters, but not so much in the fourth quarter when he was needed. Joel Embiid, I thought, was very steady in this basketball game. Maxie was good, but just not in the fourth quarter when the Celtics really needed him. Now, Tobias Harris didn't give you a whole lot offensively. He only had two points in the game, but I thought he did some good things defensively and in part um, against uh, at times um, against Jason Tatum. Uh, so I just, the, the closeout game goes back to Boston. I just don't see the 76ers winning this game. The 76ers had two opportunities and now a third to win and to close this thing out. One on its own home, own home court on uh, Thursday and could not get it done. And so now I think you're talking about a situation where the 76ers just aren't going to be able to get it done. And I, I, I think Doc Rivers, I think this is the end of the line. Now, of course, if the 76ers are able to get it done on the road, which they have in this series, no doubt. But when you have a three to one lead and now you have to go to game seven, you could just see the body language at the end of the game. Uh, just wasn't good for the 76ers at all. We'll be back. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. This segment of the program is brought to you by Live Natural. Live Natural offers men and women solutions to defeat erectile dysfunction and vaginal dryness. The newly developed Alpha Omega 7 reformulated from Alpha RX Plus, Fertility Candy, and Eve's Alpha 8. All natural products proven to be effective without side effects. Live Natural products come with a money-back guarantee and a 97% success rate. Learn more 
at live-natural-7.com. Defeat erectile dysfunction and vaginal dryness. Live natural. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. We're back here on Box to Row. Want to definitely talk about that Denver and Phoenix Suns matchup. Want to talk the all NBA teams and beginning next year, and I think rightfully so, it's going to be a situation where it's going to be positionless as as we evolve in terms of uh, basketball in in a way. Uh, in the NBA, at least, being positioned less. But with these all-NBA teams, it's by position. You've got two guards, two forwards, and a center. So it means a guy like the Joker, who was second in the MVP race, means he's now second uh, in terms of being uh, or, or second team all-NBA because Joel Embiid wins the MVP at the center, only two spots. But next year, which I think is rightfully so, it's not going to be by position. The question is should reporters be the one to pick the All-NBA teams? Now, I I say when you're talking about money, like, okay, when it wasn't tied to money and what kind of contracts guys could get because they made All-NBA, uh, maybe so. But now it's a situation where guys – uh, you know, let's go back a couple of years ago um, to Clay Thompson, right? Clay Thompson doesn't make all NBA. He loses a, uh, the opportunity for a boatload of money. Now, of course, this is agreed upon by the NBA and the NBA Players Association. Uh, however, a guy like that lost a boatload of money. Other guys could possibly um, lose money because they didn't make uh, all NBA. Um, I, I don't know. I I, I, I don't mind. I guess I don't mind that reporters it says, in matter of fact, it, it says here the picks were made by a panel of 100 reporters and broadcasters who cover the NBA, which is fine. Like, I have no problem with that. I'm just I'm just saying there's got to be a better way than tying somebody's salary to whether you make all NBA based upon what the media chooses. Like, I don't like that. Uh, I'm not with that at all, but I mean, your first team um, in terms of all uh, NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo, no doubt, Luka Doncic, no doubt, uh, Joel Embiid's the MVP, Uh, Shea, uh, of course, it's Shea, Gilius Alexander, and then Jason Tatum, uh, our first team, what, our first team guys. Um, So, I mean, you know, I think I'm, I'm cool with that. Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Steph uh, Curry, Jokic, and then Mitchell on the second team. No problem with that. And then De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, and Sabonis from the Sacramento Kings. Um, I don't know. I'm, I mean, Randle and, 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 uh, and Sabonis, I mean, you could probably put somebody else there. But again, it's by position. So... Uh, you know, you're going to have like a Devin Booker, unfortunately left off because he didn't fit one of the two guard spots. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to argue with the season that De'Aaron Fox had. I'm not going to argue with the season that Damian Lillard had. Uh, certainly if I'm looking at Steph Curry, uh, and you know, Donovan Mitchell in those guard spots, and then your first team guys as well, uh, 
uh, Luca, and then uh, Gilgis Alexander. I mean, those, I mean, he, you know, he had a really, really good season. We don't hear a lot about him, or as they call him, SGA, uh, because Oklahoma City's not very good right now, but watch out for Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. The thunder is coming. Now, you talk about a bit of a surprise, and the Nuggets, of course, defeating the Suns to now move on uh, also to the Western Conference Finals. And I say a bit of a surprise, not because necessarily that Denver ended up winning this series. I thought the Suns, I, I, I thought when the Suns made the, the trade for Kevin Durant that that really, to me, tipped the scales towards the Suns just because of the pieces that Phoenix already had. Remember, this was a team that had gone uh, to the NBA Finals just two years ago, uh, bottomed, out, bottomed out a little bit last year, and I, I thought would never get back unless it got a, a player like a Kevin Durant, which it did. Now, you a lot of times you you got to have time to gel, and I get all of that. But on a, in a lot of situations, you can put Kevin Durant into a situation, and it's it's plug and play. You don't need to run a bunch of plays for him. He fits into most situations. His basketball IQ is absolutely unbelievable, and I think a lot of times is uh, is 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 uh, undervalued. And he can just come in, fit into a situation. You need some time to gel. Of course, he did go through um, being injured when he got injured in the in uh, in pregame warmups. He was out for like a month, uh, but Denver got out to the two zero lead in this series, and the Suns came right back, and then. It could have gone either way. I thought the Suns would have played a lot better, especially in front of their home fans. And we saw we saw over the weekend uh, a bit of a recurring – well, not the weekend, but during the course of this week, a bit of a recurring theme. I mean, it was a – I think it was a closeout in all – it may have been in all four um, of, these, uh, of these series, and neither one of the teams could get it could get it done immediately so the Suns uh the 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 weren't were one of those teams that were three two or down and then of course Denver one of those teams that uh that was up three two didn't fool around like the, the from from the onset right you're talking about a 41 point first quarter I mean I felt like the game was over at that point I mean no DeAndre Aiden for the Suns, I, I mean, did that play? Uh, yeah, I guess it did, especially when you're talking about coming in the paint. Although, I mean, Contavious Caldwell Pope was absolutely tremendous in the first quarter. And, I mean, a lot of it was his outside shooting. I mean, this is a guy that won a championship with the Lakers going back to 2020. And, I mean, he just really, really came to play. And, uh, you know, I look at a guy, I mean, Jamal Murray absolutely unbelievable throughout the course of these playoffs he's fully healthy you know he was trying to kind of find his way back a little bit on last year Uh, he's fully healthy very much engaged ready to to play and is playing absolutely uh, tremendously and then you look at the joker I mean 32 points 12 assists 10 rebounds in the game what an absolutely dominating performance by Nikola Jokic in this ball game. And it was never a game, really, 
uh, was it 41 to 26, something like that in the first quarter. And then you're talking about a 30 point lead was 44 to 26 as I look at it uh, in the first quarter. Then you're talking about a lead of 81 to 51 at halftime. It was over after the first quarter and certainly after halftime down 30 points. Uh, it, it just wasn't going to be for Devin Booker or uh, Durant. Now, Booker's been really, really good throughout these playoffs and not so much in this closeout game. But I think the question moving forward now for the Suns is what's next? I mean, you have the, the requisite pieces. I mean, I think, you know, can you really count on a Chris Paul for next year? He's up in age. I mean, it. A bit of a bit of a bit surprising um, to some degree, considering his injury history and the fact that he's been able to stay relatively healthy, going back to the NBA Finals season and even uh, last season. I mean, he was relatively healthy, and then even this season, for the most part, until the playoffs, and we saw that some years ago when the Clippers had that three to two lead. James Harden, uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul goes down, um, and, and, and as we know, the rest is history. But, man, I mean, w- w- what is it going to be like? Chris Paul, uh, everybody's coming back uh, pretty much, right? And, uh, you know, I wouldn't view this as a disappointing season. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, because, you, you know, you add a Kevin Durant, it sort of puts you over the top in at least a lot of people's minds, including mine. I thought so, too, but it wasn't. Any, by any stretch of the imagination, a disappointing season. I think once the Suns came back and tied things, it looked like, okay, the Suns back on track, even though you had to go back to Denver. But it, it, it was a disappointing game six, that's for sure. And so, you know, what happens with the Suns moving forward? I mean, from a point guard uh, situation, I mean, I think Cameron Payne is adequate. He's a good backup point guard, but as far as a starting point guard, I mean, for the Suns to even be able to get back into this series without a Chris Paul, I think spoke a lot. But, you know, I give a lot of credit. Coaching, I mean, give a lot of credit. I mean, I think the, the coaching, um, you know, absolutely phenomenal for the uh, for the Suns, in the, in the, uh, especially the latter part of this series. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Jonathan Hernandez, the head baseball coach, Hat Bethune-Cookman, for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, great commentary, podcasts, etc., you can log on to our website, boxtorow.com. To all the wonderful mothers, happy Mother's Day, and enjoy your day and your weekend. And always remember to support those that support your box. Toro is produced by DW Communications. Don't cry, mama. Baby boy, the weather the storm. And I found peace right here in your arms. By the way, how you getting along? I know it's been tough bearing the pain since daddy's been gone. But all in all, you still stood tall and never shed a tear. I'm thanking God you're still here. Cause only heaven knows all my heartaches and setbacks. Going from a high school dropout to shoveling wet wax. And I never gonna forget that. Look in your eyes when you told me that my grandfather died. It was like nothing had happened. 
And I'm knowing that you're missing, but to accept death is just the side of a good Christian. And I listened to your words, and I lived it in life. And I take life. it step by step, but I take it in Christ. Taking it Christ. Knowing I can't make it alone. You told me not to buy your new house because in heaven's your home. And as hurt as I was, I had to smile with you. Thank God that we crossed paths to one strong sister. And I'm never gonna forget you. Heaven sent us an angel that the world gon' miss you. Mama. All I hear is praying, I keep saying, I'm